Overdrive. Hello and welcome to Overdrive, a program that takes an expansive look at the world of cars and transport. I'm David Brown and in this program we look at news stories with David Campbell, including the Royal Couple's electric Jaguar E-Type will go into production. We have a chat with the General Manager of Ram Australia. We went to the launch of their latest big ute a few months back, now we have driven it in the countryside. And Brian Smith and I take a carefree look at some quirky news stories about motoring and transport. You can find more information at drivenmedia.com.au or podcast previous programs on iTunes. So let's start the program with the news. A number of states now require drivers to slow down when they pass stopped emergency vehicles flashing their blue and red lights. In South Australia, motorists are required to slow to just 25 kilometres per hour, and Victoria introduced a 40 kilometre per hour limit in July last year. Now New South Wales requires all drivers to slow down to 40 kilometres per hour when they passed stopped emergency vehicles flashing their lights, regardless of the speed limit but lobby groups are calling for the new road rule to be overhauled over fears that it puts motorists' lives at risk. The chairman of the Motorcycle Council of New South Wales says the rule could prove deadly on motorways and freeways where motorists are generally doing 110 kilometres per hour and might have to slam on the brakes to be compliant. An advisor on compliance for the National Road Transport Association says the organisation fears mostly for truck drivers who have a harder time slowing down than light vehicles. The new rule does not apply to drivers who are on the opposite side of the road of a parked emergency vehicle when the road is separated by a median strip. Uber passengers who are constantly rated poorly by their drivers will risk being banned from the service under new ground rules the ride-sharing company plans to introduce. Uber's new community guidelines, which come into effect on September 19, state that accounts will be deactivated if a user's average rating sits below a certain minimum after multiple notifications. While minimum numbers vary, Uber's Regional General Manager for Australia, Susan Anderson, confirmed to Fairfax Media that the Australia-wide minimum was four stars. She said that nine out of ten Australian Uber riders have a rating of 4.5 or higher, so most users shouldn't be affected by the new guidelines. She said, There are a small proportion of riders who aren't behaving in the right way. To get a number as low as four, there really needs to have been multiple instances of one-star ratings and complaints from a number of different drivers. The automobile's days of simply transporting drivers could be a thing of the past at least at Volkswagen. The German automaker wants to turn its cars into digital devices on wheels. And to ensure its competitiveness, VW will spend over $4 billion to invest in digitalization by 2025. The automaker has announced its intentions to expand and build upon its Wii network to make the car a central hub in the Internet of Things. The digital strategy's backbone will be the one digital platform based on cloud technology. Next month, Europe will implement the first phase of new fuel economy and emission standards that were meant to take effect worldwide. 
Automakers are required to release initial ratings based on lab tests using the Worldwide Harmonized Light Vehicle Test Procedure, or WLTP, which were to take effect globally by 2020. However, some countries like the United States have pulled out of the project, and so Europe is going it alone with the WLTP standards, though they may still have an impact on cars sold elsewhere. Like changes that the EPA made to update US fuel economy labels in 2008, the WLTP aims to make European fuel economy more realistic. They are also expected to result in shorter range estimates for electric cars than the old tests. In the United States, only 29% of new car shoppers say they agree with rollbacks to federal fuel economy standards proposed by the Trump administration. A survey asked respondents if they agreed with the proposed plan to freeze federal emission standards at 2020 levels. 70% of respondents said they didn't agree with the plan or were undecided. The EPA has announced a broad plan to roll back scheduled increases in fuel economy standards. The proposed plan said that increasing emissions and fuel economy regulations would lead to lighter, less safe cars on the road and lead to more fatal crashes. The proposal also added that consumers might be unreasonably burdened by paying for fuel-saving technology. Regardless of public opinion, a final decision on Trump's proposed fuel economy standards has yet to be made. Experts have predicted that any change in policy may face a long, protracted battle in the courts. And finally, Jaguar recently announced that it plans to produce and sell classic E-Type coupes similar to the one that carried Prince Harry and Meghan Markle from Windsor Castle to their wedding reception. Jaguar says the electric E-Type will use technology from its latest electric car production, the I-Pace SUV. The company will build electric E-Types at its Classic Works restoration shop alongside other classic Jaguars. The electric modifications to the classic E-Type are reversible. E-Types are among the most collectible classic cars and many owners want historically correct models or the authentic 1960 driving experience rather than a blend of the latest 2018 technology. And that has been the news. You're listening to Overdrive. A while ago, we went to the reveal of the Ram 1500 truck in Australia. Now we've had a drive in the countryside around Bathurst, 200 kilometres west of Sydney. This is a vehicle that is typical American pickup. Alex Stewart is the general manager of Ram Australia. He sat in the passenger seat as I had a drive of the vehicle and we had a chat. The Ram 1500. Alex, you're bringing this one in not as just a big workhorse, it has more appeal to a more populous market? Absolutely, it's, uh, it's very much that family recreational work vehicle uh, option. Uh, what the Ram 1500 offers is probably something that uh, the rest of the market uh, hasn't seen. Uh, it's a much more versatile vehicle, it provides a, a high level of luxury. Uh, at the same point in time, it uh, is fundamentally a work vehicle. Uh, so it's at home, dropping kids off at school as it would be on the work site. Bit of Americana, isn't it? Oh, like, it, it is American, there's no, there's no question about it. It's big. 
<laughs> well, here you are, Alex Stewart, with your uh, distinctive accent. Perhaps you are epitomising its more broader uh, appeal. <laughs> I think I think we're all global these days. Yeah. Now we often see them as the hay bale in the back and towing the horse float. You see broader markets within the Australian context. Yeah, look, the, the 1500 uh, is, is targeting that dual cab 4x4 pickup market, uh, the upper segment, which has been the fastest growing segment for several years now. It's definitely the, the work, play, recreational vehicle market. Uh, mm. People these days are looking for more product, higher specification, more versatility, and uh, the Ram 1500 will definitely offer that you know, for those customers. It's also got market, you are saying, like the Grey Nomad, mm. that... You know, to tour around where you may have taken on a bit of toughness as adventure, this actually makes it far more comfortable. Oh, look, it's, it's, it's leisurely. The tradesman could quite easily you know, turn up in a building site with his tools in the back and he would not be out of place. Hmm. Particularly the Express. Yeah. I think you're targeting yeah. that more. This is more the upmarket. The yeah. Laramie is... Uh, Sounds like a cigarette, sorry, I shouldn't. <laughs> uh, yeah, the more upmarket, more family, more, you know, yeah. m- less likely to have a bag of cement in the in yeah. the tray. Less likely to, but uh, just, Not as impossible. E- just as easily it can, and, and that's the, the beauty of the vehicle. We're in this beautiful countryside, it's lovely, isn't it, uh, down here just uh, south of Bathurst. Do you see it as really fulfilling a more rural area or, or an urban area? Well, actually, uh, unlike the heavy-duty 2500 and 3500, which undoubtedly has been a more regional, rural-type vehicle, I believe the Ram 1500 will be more of a metro vehicle. Mm-hmm. I can see that the majority of our sales will be more metro-centric. Uh, that does mean to say we won't have a, a strong regional and, and rural opportunity, for sure it will. But the switch will be that uh, I believe the majority of the sales will come from you know, the, the metropolitan okay. uh, areas. Uh, it's the ideal uh, opportunity for someone to you know, reward themselves you know, for a job well done or a good year uh, in business to have a, a work recreational type vehicle. It also makes a statement a little bit yeah. more than a traditional ute. Well, it does, but uh, it, it's not too over the top. You know? mm. I, I think, and again, coming from you know, the, the transport automotive industry, you know, if, you, if you turned up on a job site uh, with your Mercedes... <laughs> Uh, you, you might be frowned upon some, somewhat uh, for different reasons, but if you turned up in your Ram 1500, mm. uh, I think that would be quite acceptable. The additional stuff, you don't provide things like a bull bar or that, but aftermarket will. I wonder whether a bull bar on the front of this might almost make it like a, a Kenworth. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's a big car and the nose is very yeah. solid. That would almost make it a bit more agricultural yeah. i think oh look for sure and uh there's still a strong demand for those types of accessories uh, in the country mm-hmm. uh, in the in the rural markets um, and whilst we don't uh, offer a, a bull bar as original equipment uh, there are a number of suppliers in the aftermarket uh, who already produce uh, genuine approved and adr approved uh, equipment that will fit the ram and those you know i think would you know quite easily service the market it's an expanding part of the market you're projecting mm. after if you want your three years in the market mm. four and a half thousand i mean that's 
400 to half a billion dollars of turnover <laughs> plus you know servicings and yeah. other things yeah. it's it's not a little toy in a very narrow sense no absolutely not uh, you know, in in three years time uh, we'd be aiming to have 10 percent of the uh, particular segment of that dual cab four by four market 10 percent of all dual cabs no. of, T- or of the of the upmarket of ones the, of the, up the bigger ones, ones yeah petrol v8 mm. is uh, perhaps not in the current trend of in certain areas will you do other types of uh, powertrains well i think the uh, the ram 1500 with the 5.7 v8 hemi basically is is bringing the v8 back to the market uh, there's going to be a, a raft of customers that will be definitely looking at the v8 opportunity because it is the only one in the market it was part of that market yep before a significant part and uh you know the return of the v8 i think will be uh looked at with great interest but yeah, there will be a, a V6 uh, diesel uh, in the pipeline for what we think will be a, an early 2019 launch. You talked even about getting to hybrid. Well, do you think that might happen for this one or for the bigger ones? It's not on the current uh, model lineup, uh, but obviously you know, the, uh, the company is looking at hybrid. Uh, there are hybrids uh, already in operation in the US, uh, but at the moment they are not on the export. There is the Rebel. This, yep. this is not only just good solid mm. performance this is uh, in, almost in your face type yep. of uh, performance yep. the, the the rebel is uh, is definitely a unique vehicle it's uh, highly sought after and likewise it's not on the export list for a particular market if it does come on the list uh, i'll be the first one to order it <laughs> I think your children and that, or your children will, will remember you in your street. Is that, uh, <laughs> is that a reflection of how it's success or not? Yeah, I think the suburb will remember. <laughs> Alex, lovely to talk to you. Thanks Pleasure. for your time. Thank Appreciate you. It. That was Alex Stewart, the General Manager of Ram Trucks Australia. You're listening to Overdrive. A few things have happened this week. I met up with an engineer from the RACV in Victoria. That's the motoring club in that state. They said that when electronic key fobs first came out, they ran into regular problems where the battery went flat. So one of their road patrolmen worked out how to have a very small battery with two little pointers on the end from each of the terminals, and so they could jumpstart your keys if the battery went flat. As another reflection on that issue, it's now getting to the stage where that if you lock your keys in the car, it is often better, if you live relatively locally, to send someone to pick up the spare keys from home rather than try to break into the car. And this week I went for a drive in Tasmania starting at the top of the island and going down to Hobart. It was a wonderful ride in the just-released updated Mazda CX-9 large SUV. The trip included some dirt road, and I've got to say, for a big car, it handled itself remarkably well. And I have interviewed arguably the most revered road and transport engineer in Australia, Dr Max Lay. I will play some of the interview next week. But we did discuss the problem in government departments where they are losing technical skills. It is turning from an evidence base to a general belief, if not political push. This reminded me of the quote from Neil deGrasse Tyson, the astrophysicist, who said, 
objective truths are established by evidence, personal truths by faith, and political truths by incessant repetition. You're listening to Overdrive. And uh, we come again to that part where we have a chat about a range of things and I'm pleased to announce that we have again Brian Smith to join us on the line. Go, Brian. Hey, David. Now, graphene. There's a jacket you can buy, $595. Now, graphene, which I believe is stuff that you can find in, uh, it's the thinnest possible form of graphite, which, of course, is what you find in your pencil. But it's got great properties, Brian, and I think it might make a big difference so that I might well be able to walk to the bus in any weather. Okay. Tell me more, David. Well, well, what's the great thing and concern about walking to the bus? Well, we've got a bit lazy and we think of a couple hundred metres as an eternity, but, but also, of course, we say, ah, what if it's raining? Raining or cold. Or it's cold. So if I had better, you know, I can carry an umbrella and that blows crazy in in a wind. I can carry a raincoat and it gets wet and it's cumbersome and it's, you know, it's not easy to wear or at least carry if it's not raining or so on. But now graphene is a possibility of being able to have a jacket. A number of things. One is you can heat the jacket up beforehand and it holds the heat for a long time. It will even balance out the heat in your body. So if there's this particular hot part of your body, I don't want to go there, but it uh-huh. will it, it will balance it out. And so it makes it – and it's got brilliant it, – if you put enough layers on there, it's even bulletproof. So it, it should be good for America to uh, <laughs> walk down the street. Uh, it can turn walls of your home into a giant fire detector. I don't know what that means. And it can change the colour of your hair with no adverse effects. I've, again, I've got no idea what that means. But do you see what I mean about being able to be more mobile by walking without the barriers that we've had in the past? So uh, it, it's it's sort of avoids humidity or something. Does it breathe? It, it, it's uh, water repellent. <laughs> it's some kind of magical material. And and I, I could get jackets now um, that are pretty good, but this costs an enormous amount of money. I think graphene is this very, very difficult hmm. material to create, to make, to to yeah. work with. Um, so I think this new Volaback is the new co- is the company selling this graphene jacket, and it's something like five hundred ninety five US dollars. And David, it's dark grey, like you would expect a, a pencil. <laughs> that doesn't seem very safe to me. I, oh. I, I want the whole doing. I want to open a, a metal tin <laughs> with a graphene jacket of every different colour lined up. It's good that I can there. I could colour it in each day. And you know that if you drop it, then you know as, as every time you shape, you sharpen it, you're gonna it'll fall. A little bit will fall out, won't it? Yeah. Remember that with pencils. Yes, you drop them and break the graphite inside. Remember when you were a kid and they thought lead pencils were made from lead. Another illusion. Yes, I wonder if this is the same thing that people will be confused about, uh, you know, what it's made out of. Pencils, this is astounding to me. The brothers Steve and Nick Tidball are the ones who've been doing a huge amount of research to overcome the problem you mentioned, uh, that is that it's very difficult to manufacture into useful things. 
such as clothing, but it is the material that scientists used to build Michael Phelps's 2008 Olympic Speedo swimsuit, which was famously banned because he shattered records with the event. But if you've got that, then it really does rain. You could swim home. <laughs> now, I saw a thing about a new umbrella, but instead of an umbrella in a typical sense, it had like a hoodie around the face and then had this plastic sort of thing that goes starts from your neck and goes over your shoulders, which protects your body much more than an umbrella, which is way above your head. And so there should be better ways to do it. The only thing I want, Brian, is I want it to have the sound of when it rains of the sound of rain on a tin roof. Oh, it can probably do that, David. It's a magical material. I, well, like, do you think they might start making uh, soft tops out of it for cars? Oh. That would be a great material, isn't it? A soft top that doesn't leak. Mm. Yeah, yeah. The English car industry would be reinvigorated. Oh, then the electricals would go. Uh, the, th- the, the thing is, uh, uh, Brian, that it doesn't need to be seamed together. It's moulded. Yes. So that's the reason why it doesn't let water in. Bonded. And, in fact, when they made a pocket in it, they just laser cut it. and You don't even need to, to stitch the edge of it. It doesn't fray. It's pretty interesting stuff. I, I think they're um, kind of gilding the lily a little in all of the magical things that it can do it. A lot of the descriptions, I think, would apply to most jackets you could buy. Uh, most jackets would claim that they're breathable or waterproof and all those sorts of things. The, the one thing I did notice, that it conducts electricity, oh. and it's a, little, a, bit, a bit nerve-wracking. Uh, they, they speak in, uh, in the article about how um, they found that it conducted electricity very well, and they've had to actually change the design a bit and, and move the little particles of graphene apart so that it doesn't electrocute you. Um, so it still conducts electricity, but only a little bit. Ah, so the wet weather, the lightning might be the issue. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> you have to walk with a big pole that is earthed to the ground. <laughs> and then you need a person walking in front of you with a flag, David, to <laughs> warn people about the pole. Ah, electrifying America. Talking about electric cars, Brian. Should uh, car companies be doing this selling? This is a fascinating, fascinating story, David. So do you remember VW got into just a teensy bit of trouble um, when they completely faked all of their uh, emissions uh, data? Well, they had to spend, the courts forced them to spend $800 million in California and $2 billion across America on clean car infrastructure. And they've been doing that by by creating a, a system called Electrify America. And they're actually not building electric cars. They are building electric chargers and delivering them all across America. And they've been advertising it using um, one of our favorite characters or a crossover, really, of the Jetsons, except this is the Jetstones. So it, it blends the Flintstones and the Jetsons into the future. And the, there's an ad which has a Flintstones character pulling up to a a traffic light in uh, an old Subaru Outback, and uh, so next to him is a is an electric car pulls up with the same actor but uh, looking slightly different and, and kind of sexier. And then as the music changes to the Jetsons theme song, um, the light changes and the uh, electric car zooms off, uh, leaving the old Fred Flintstone behind. So 
so it's it's uh, I guess a, a good thing to see a lot of these uh, electrify America charging fast charger systems going around the country to help generate more electric cars and and uh, and make them more practical. And it's interesting that uh, VW is more or less being forced to do it. Uh, by the courts, including advertising on television, as you say, there is with the sort of symbols that marketing people are fantastic. Is that really the helpful bit, or is it the infrastructure, the charging things that because they they put more charging stations around? I think it was Perth, not huge number, but a few more, and, and people who owned electric cars used them more. But they didn't use those charging stations; they just gave them confidence to use it. Yes, yeah, that's so, the thing. I think that the concern that you might not be able to make it all the way um, where you want to go. Yeah, look, well, perhaps some good will come out of all things work together for good, Brian. And so yeah. the evil that came out of the uh, lying about the charges and the pollution gear from Volkswagen is now paying big stuff. Uh, Brian, if you have a go at people who complain about illegal use of disabled space are you treading on delicate territory this is a story that uh, came out of the uh, wakatipu access group complained to the building hub in their local area in arrow town i think it's in, that's obviously in new zealand isn't it it's in new zealand yeah mm. that uh, that someone was using the parking, the disabled parking space, but it was just a truck. It was just doing a delivery, and they soon got out of the way of a person. Is there a legitimate way of which you can say, well, yes, you'll get your parking space, but b be a little considerate? No, I, I, this is an interesting story, David, because the the issue was there's a, a car parking, a disabled parking space outside of business, um, and that business was regularly parking ah. in those that disabled space, and they didn't like getting pinged for it. And so when people complained about it, the, the person who ran the company actually said that that disabled people should be more understanding of their needs, of the able-bodied staff using disabled parking. Oh, we're just dropping off something. You know, that's the old saying, isn't it, that uh, – that you know, when the when the person pulls up in the disabled space, I'm just I'm just yeah. dropping in something off. I'll only be a moment. I'm so you know, it's okay to inconvenience them. So I just love the irony of the of the boss of this company wanting the disabled people to be more understanding of, of their company's needs. Well, we live in a world, don't we, where to make money is the highest ideal. Mm. Brian, it's always lovely to talk to you. I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Thank you, David. That's Brian Smith uh, talking some, well, quirky news, or certainly looking with a little bit of a twist on some of the news stories of the day here on Overdrive. And this has been Overdrive. Thanks to David Campbell, Max Lay, Alex Stewart and Paul Just for their help to produce this program. Overdrive is syndicated across Australia on the Community Radio Network. You can find more information at drivenmedia.com.au or podcast previous programs on iTunes. I'm David Brown. Thanks for listening. <laughs>